So now the question before us. How do you create a new generation of visionary Canadian entrepreneurs? That is the question the founders of The Next 36 set out to answer. Their program offers an exceptional group of young Canadians the academic instruction, the startup experience, and the practical business mentorship that will put them on a path to successful entrepreneurship. Ensuring that some of Canada's best and brightest young people have the tools necessary to succeed as world-class entrepreneurs is the goal of Reza Satchu and the Next 36 Project. Moderating our discussion today will be Amanda Lang. Uh, she is a Gemini Award-winning Canadian journalist, senior business correspondent for CBC's The National, and one of the co-hosts of the Lang and O'Leary Report. In addition to the CBC, Amanda has also worked at CNN and at CTV's Business News Network. Reza Satchu is the driving force and the founding chair behind The Next 36. He is also the vice chair of the Hospital for Sick Children's Foundation and an adjunct professor at the University of Toronto. Somehow, he also squeezes in his day job, I'm told, as the managing partner of Alignvest Capital Management based both here in Toronto as well as New York. Today, he's going to tell us what The Next 36 is about, how he orchestrated 70 CEOs, and 36 undergraduate students, plus all the necessary technology and support that goes along with that, into one of the country's best programs for aspiring young entrepreneurs. Amanda and Reza, over to you. Thanks, Allison. And uh, hello, everyone. I'm delighted to talk to uh, Teresa about this. This is a subject that is of utmost importance uh, to Canadians. If we care about our country and our future, and uh, we all do, our economic well-being, we care about new companies, new businesses, new ideas. And one question that I've always had, and I'm going to start here, and I should note that <clears throat> Reza is a very nice guy. Those of you who know him know he's a nice guy. We're in agreement so far. I don't know why they're laughing about that. Uh, but several people here have said today, make sure you're hard on him. I don't know why. I <laughs> don't know what that's about. Except that I think that Reza challenges uh, his students. I imagine he challenges his business partners. The question I've had as a business journalism is, can entrepreneurism be taught? Or is it, in fact, innate? Are some entrepreneurs born, and if they're given the right opportunities, they'll flourish? But can you actually teach something of this nature? And I want to start right there. Okay. Um, well, thanks everyone for being here. So entrepreneurship. So why don't we start with a, um, a definition of entrepreneurship? I mean, I think most people think of entrepreneurship as starting a business. And I would challenge you and say that is not what entrepreneurship is. Um, I would argue that it's a way of thinking. It's a way of acting. and It's how you live your life. My definition of entrepreneurship is the relentless pursuit of opportunity without regard to resources currently controlled. Okay, that can occur in anything you do. All right, so that's point number one, is that this is not about starting a business, it's about how you live your life. The second point, this whole nurture versus um, nature debate, um, what I would say to you is I don't think it's either extreme. I think what you need to do is provide a set of expectations of people uh, where you expect them to accomplish really big things. And what the next 36 seeks to do is provide them with the exposure to go and do that. So it's, it's really, it is not an, it's not an academic program, one where, where you can read about it in a textbook. It is much more around the exposure to real entrepreneurs and actually just the ability to think to yourself, you know what, that person looks just like me. That person started with very little just like me. And you know what, that person was able to accomplish some great things, so maybe it is possible. And I would argue that that's at least half the battle. 
So one of the things that you provide is an example, and I think uh, many people here will know you and your story, but it's worth, uh, it's worth telling your own story of entrepreneurship, your own business success. You know, the problem here is my parents are here, so I have to, I have to be remotely accurate. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, uh, we emigrated uh, to Canada in the 70s um, when Pierre Trudeau led in a bunch of Indians from East Africa. Um, and I think, you know, that's relevant to my story because I've always thought that if, uh, uh, without that act, our, uh, the direction of our family would have been very, very different, uh, and I, I suspect far less positive. Um, I came to this country um, as a scrawny, shy, I know that's unbelievable, uh, Indian kid with an English accent who, tr who sort of went around trying to treat uh, bullies by calling them nincompoops. It wasn't, wasn't particularly effective. Yeah, not so well. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know I, I went to McGill, and really I think this is where some of the seeds of the next 36 came. When I graduated from McGill, I remember talking to my father, and we both said, you know, all these smart kids from Harvard, Stanford, and Yale are going to Wall Street. You know, how do we get to Wall Street? And I, I didn't know anything about Wall Street, and after about 200 rejections, I finally got a job offer uh, down on Wall Street. And I'll never forget my first few weeks, because I thought to myself, these kids from Harvard, Yale, and Stanford must be so much smarter, right? They must be so much better educated. I mean, they sure act smarter. And what you realize is that the quality of the Canadian undergraduate system is just as strong as Harvard, Stanford, and Yale. But what these kids have are two incredible advantages. And I think it's the uh, fundamental pillars for, for uh, what Claudia, Jay, Tim, and I are trying to build along with many of you at the next 36 is they have two incredibly uh, incredible advantages. One is throughout their undergraduate career, they have exposure to leaders, right? This concept of leaders, not just academic leaders, but entrepreneurial leaders, business leaders, political leaders. And this gives them the second thing, which is an expanded set of expectations. So they don't want to write a book, they want to win the Pulitzer Prize. They don't want to become vice president of engineering at a, at a company, they actually want to create the next big thing. And so I think that this concept of expectations and exposure really stuck with me. And uh, I had the good fortune of building some businesses in the US. And when I, when I came back to Toronto, I guess about seven years ago, um, you know, I was walking along St. George Street thinking about this and uh, um, thinking about why is it that the kids that I had gone to high school with and to university with here in Canada seemed to have had less impact. Not, not measured by money, just in terms of freedom and impact. And uh, I knocked on uh, uh, Michael Berkowitz's door, who, who unfortunately has passed away. He was the, I looked up, it was the Department of Economics, and I said, uh, uh, Mr. Berkowitz, I'd like to teach a class. And uh, he said, who are you? So I told him. <laughs> And he's never heard, you know. Yeah, I didn't call him a nincompoop. He said, have you taught before? I said, no. He said, um, do you have your PhD? I said, no. He said, well, we send people like you across the street to Rotman. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's not here, so I can say that. Sorry, Ajay. <laughs> and the, the class, I mean, to his, to his uh, I guess, I don't know whether it's credit or, or, or I just wore him down, he let me start teaching a class. And uh, that, was, that was, for me, pretty so pivotal. Jump back to, uh, you created some businesses in New York. Is it a sentence like that that represents how many years of your life and sweat and toil? Uh, what's, the, what's the sort of biggest business? What's the one that was the, the, the real right. uh, difference for you? So I think probably the, the most interesting business was uh, I went to uh, business school uh, and then, and then started, um, started working in a private equity firm. And uh, our biggest investment was in a company called Simmons, the mattress company. Um, and the problem with what we'd done with the mattress company was we had extended the life of these mattresses. Uh, we competed on sort of life of mattress without capturing any pricing increase, so it suddenly became all about cost. 
my brother at the time was, was also, he was at Harvard as well, and so um, uh, we came up with this idea of a supply chain software company focused on direct materials, coils, springs, and those, those sorts of things. Um, and we ended up, my brother had a very similar background to me in that he was on Wall Street and then had gone, gone to HBS. We ended up um, raising money from Sequoia, KKR, Onyx, Madison Dearborn, all these fancy people. And so I often get the question, people say to me, well, why, why did they give two kids, we were 28 and 29, all this money, these sophisticated investors give you, give you this money given that you knew nothing about technology. And uh, what I say is I think they saw two Indian kids across the table and just assumed we knew something about technology. <laughs> so, so we took it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that business was, was, a, uh, was, a, was a success. And, uh, okay, this is going to be the toughest question I'm going right, to ask you. Right. Uh, flagging it for the room. Uh, this was in the dot-com era. Yes. So is this kind of being born on third and thinking you hit a triple? Well, you know, I think... Tough question, right? Yeah, I yeah, think... I think what I, what I would say is it happened fast. Um, so, so, although what I would say is that given, look, I think I saw my parents at a very early age work really hard, right? They, they took much greater risks than either my brother or I took in terms of coming to this country and building a life for us. So, I, you know, I always have that perspective or that advantage of having seen seeing them work really hard uh, to get things done. And so I don't think it necessarily, it was a culmination of many years of effort in terms of doing things, um, well, in terms of having expectations set by my parents that were very high yeah. and uh, of trying to meet them and not always meeting them, um, such that when I was put in a position where I thought I could capitalize on something, I think I had the confidence to go and do it. So if there is, there's that defining moment where you're on St. George Street, you think, I want to do something. Right. When was the, the next 36? When did you act, when did it gel into this thing that right. you want to do? So, um, I taught the class for about five years, and one of the, one of the great mantras uh, of the next 36 is you've constantly got to be seeking positions of discomfort, okay? I could teach this class with my eyes closed at this point, and yet it was still getting uh, rave reviews, um, which, David, I think must say something about your, some of the professors anyway. Um, so, so uh, see, he can't defend himself, so I can say this. Um, so... Uh, uh, and so I actually, to David's great, you know, David, I went and I called David and I said that I'd like to meet with you. And he asked me, uh, he said, well, can we expand the class? Can we do some, something else? And um, I will tell you that without David's support around this crazy idea, it never would have happened because uh, it is a pretty unconventional idea. Uh, and the next thing that happened, and it's, you know, the next 36, I think, is I've been involved with many startups. Uh, there's none that I'm more proud of than this one because it really... It is as strong as any startup in terms of execution. And perhaps the most important thing I, would, I think most entrepreneurs in the room would agree with is you got to have the right team. You've got to find people who are partners that have complementary skills. And uh, Jay Agarwal, who's the Peter Monk Professor of Entrepreneurship, uh, Claudia Hepburn, who had uh, many years uh, working in education, I don't know where Claudia is, there she is, is the Executive Director, and then Tim Hodgson, who at the time was CEO of Goldman Sachs. We came together and said, let's try and create something that's really going to uh, be impactful, and uh, that will hopefully solve the prosperity gap that we have in Canada. And so the first batch, take, just take us back to the first batch of kids, uh, and you want to share the knowledge that you've won, but you've, you've learned it over many, many right. years, different experiences. How did you think about kind of translating that to this group? Yeah, so I will tell you the greatest, uh, we'll talk about the program, and I think you'll all be astounded at what these kids get, okay? I mean, they, they get $50,000 to start a business, they get 
the top entrepreneurship professors from Harvard, Wharton, Georgetown, Rotman, Ivy, flown in to teach them. They get mentors that, uh, that are sort of people at the highest levels of Canadian business, uh, the CEOs of Canada's largest companies, um, to spend real time with them. Okay, this is a pretty good proposition. I mean, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a pretty phenomenal proposition. So what I say to people is the, the, the actual students, and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to hear from a couple of them, are phenomenal, but I expect them to be phenomenal because the proposition is better than any entrepreneurship program globally, frankly. And uh, um, in terms of what I think we deliver, it is as strong or better than anything that Harvard does or MIT does or Stanford does. And so when those first set of applications came, and there were over 1,000, um, they were really impressive. And, and the, the, the challenge for us was making sure that these kids come in uh, really hungry and, uh, and go through some real discomfort, and they learn to fail for the first time in their lives, um, and they come out much stronger. How do you measure the success of it? Okay, so this is an interesting question. So I would say to you that the short-term success, which we're less focused on, but because we are all business people, we need something to measure us on, is the success of these businesses that they're creating, yeah. okay? Um, and over time, uh, we'll, see, we'll see how they do. But I would say that the reason so many people are involved in this program is because of the long-term success of the program, uh, long-term goal, sorry. And the long-term goal is nothing short of increasing the prosperity in Canada. So one of the big problems, I was just talking to Dr. Naylor about this, is that the prosperity gap between Canada and the US is increasing. It's increased from $2,000 per capita 20 years ago to $10,000 per capita. The problem isn't the median worker. The median worker is as productive in Canada, I believe, as the median worker in the US. The problem is the right tail, okay? The problem is there are far fewer uh, Googles and Facebooks being created here, all right? So what we have to do as a country is figure out how not to lose the floor, have the floor be where it is, okay, but increase the ceiling, okay, and dramatically increase the ceiling. And so what we're doing is this program is focused on that right tail. Those students that we think have remarkable potential uh, to, to build something of real significance over time. And I guess, you know, what we're confident about is that when they are ready to build something, the reason they will build it is because of the, the experience, the exposure, the relationships, uh, that they built through the next 36. And so that will be the true measure of the success of this program. There are students here. Yes. Do you want to talk to them? Sure, let's talk to them. So uh, others who know me know how hard it is for me to sit down, so <laughs> I'm going to stand up here. Okay. Um, so let's bring up uh, Gideon, Iran, and Jane. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Oh, sorry, Aiden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking of your teammate. Sorry, Aiden, Iran, and Jane. Okay, Aiden. Um, so, Aiden, Aiden uh, why don't you talk about your greatest challenge? Aiden's an alum of, uh, of the Next 36. He's busy building his business, uh, which he will talk about. Um, one of the things that we try and do at the Next 36 is react to, you know, be very flexible in terms of reacting to competitive forces. So, why don't you talk about your biggest challenge? Um, yeah. My team, uh, and personally, my biggest challenge with the Next 36 was actually getting into the program. Um, I was rejected uh, <laughs> from the program at first. Uh, Reza mentioned before that a thousand odd students from across the country applied. 64 were brought into uh, Toronto to be at the finalist selection weekend. 36 were selected and my partners and I were not them. Um, so what we do is, sorry, go ahead, Amanda. Well, it kind of raises the obvious question of how you 
why you're here. <laughs> it's not as good looks. It's true. Iran has that one. Um, what got us in was the fact that, um, like Reza said, the relentless pursuit of opportunity without regard to resources currently controlled. Stalking? <laughs> Just shy of. Uh, we went, and the morning after we were uh, rejected, we went and approached uh, Reza, Tim, Claudia, and Ajay, and brought forth to them an argument uh, saying that it's exactly these competitive forces that they're trying to um, teach the 36 students that they've selected. So they selected these 36 students, and realistically, they were now market leaders. And what happens to market leaders? They have people gunning for their tails. <laughs> so we sent in a pitch explaining uh, to the program that we, uh, as four complete outsiders with no resources, no nothing, uh, we have to be completely on our own in stealth. Uh, if we were at least as impressive as the batch that they selected, then we managed to teach their selected 36, the horses they have backed, that. Um, they weren't pushing themselves hard enough. And... <laughs> so you have to understand, the process we go through in these applications are people have to write five essays, have two letters of reference. Uh, they are read by multiple people. We then choose 72 who we fly in from all over North America for a series of 12 interviews by CEOs and entrepreneurs. Okay, so this is the process we go through. So we then have Aiden coming to us saying, I think my initial response when you said, I think you said, Razor, you've made a mistake. I think I probably kicked you out of the, the room pretty quickly. But he came up with a very, uh, very uh, uh, comprehensive and creative pitch, uh, which, which enabled us to let, us in, let him in in the beginning of the program in May. So why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, about what your business is? Um, my partners and I, we've built a company called Winston. And what we do is we handle uh, taxi services, or we take over taxi services for larger enterprises. Because uh, I'm not sure how many of you here uh, work for companies like uh, Ernst & Young or KPMG, but I saw a number of you in the audience. And one thing that you've probably used in your life is a taxi chit. Now, your corporate travel executive absolutely hates these. They are so inefficient, there's no transparency, there's no accountability with them. So what we have built is technology that integrates with large enterprise processes so that you can just click a button and know that your entire car service is not only uh, reliably going to show up, but you can track where they are, ride in a limousine, and end up uh, paying automatically with a detailed email receipt that you will never ever lose uh, before you manage to get your money back from the company. It's an app. Yeah, uh, we've launched the iPhone app. That was uh, one month ago. We offered our 50th ride uh, yesterday. And on that, we are now 80% subscribed to an angel round um, that will be bridging us through to April um, when we expect to be able to raise a $2 million round uh, that I just got back from the Valley uh, at 5.30 AM uh, preparing for. So. Okay. One, one final note, Reza's not in that yet, and neither are many people in this room, so. <laughs> okay, gotta ask for the order. Okay. There's still time. Okay, Iran. Um, Iran, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your experience and, uh, uh, and what you're up to? Uh, so for me, I, uh, I left to Canada four years ago, and I couldn't really speak English then. And coming, starting the program, getting into the program a year ago, was really a challenge because once I started the program, they really wanted us to pitch immediately to, to investors who are sitting in front of you. And I remember right after selection weekend, 
we had this day where we were supposed to present an idea, and everyone had to speak, and everyone had to present as well. And you sit down, and it's like Dragon's Den, but instead of four of them, five of them, you have like 20 of them sitting in front of you, and they're all just staring at you, and uh, they have really good questions. They're pretty smart. So uh, <laughs> hopefully they were. So, um, um, so really the program kind of pushed me to, to try to, to, to do new things, to be able to, to control what I'm saying, to control how, how I do it, to control how to present, and uh, really stand in front of a crowd and, and pitch your idea. And uh, we did that. I have my co-founder, another co-founder, Gideon Hayden, here in the crowd. And we went to Silicon Valley together. Um, it was a month ago. We went there for a week to just see what's happening there. And uh, same as Hayden, it was a great response. And, uh, and we're going to be mentored by uh, one of the VC firms, Triple Point Ventures, and uh, another program for two months to try to push us, push us forward and, uh, and raise a round A at the end. And what does the, the company do? Our company, it's uh, called Tradio. Uh, it's a social marketplace. It's uh, the trustable and social way to, to buy and sell classifieds. You can use your mobile to upload items, so it's very, very quick, very intuitive. And uh, then it places them, it geolocates them in the location and, and uh, use the camera, of course, of the phone to upload them. And you have a person who you talk to, who you, you trust and you know who they are. So just for example, if Reza has Facebook, for example, if you have Facebook, so I'll see Reza's picture, I'll see, I see the items he has, all his inventory, his name, and how many mutual friends we have. And that's going to build my trust, especially now when uh, Craigslist and, and other platforms are just going, going a bit down with, with uh, a lot of their trust. And, uh, Iran, let me ask you this question. What has the Next 36 done for you? I mean, I remember when I met you, Iran came to us from U of T. He, he had a 4-0, straight A's, from computer science. What, what, is this, uh, what has this program done for you? I think that the program did for me two main things. The, the first one is, is really the exposure that I didn't expect at all. Um, we got a lot of support from, uh, from our mentors, from uh, the teachers in the program, for everyone involved. Charles is sitting in the crowd. He was our direct mentor. Just for example, he, he spent uh, a lot of Sunday nights inviting us to his place, getting to know his family, getting to know his brother and everyone, and, and going over the model with us. And that's just the beginning. Like, it ended up by us going to his farm for the weekend to work from there. And that's kind of how, how dedicated the program was towards us. And, and that's, that's the first aspect. The second one is really how they pushed us forward. So we used to go to class at 8.30 a.m. in the morning, all of us together from the same building at U of T, and, and end up class at 5 p.m. every day. And it was, it was really amazing how everyone was dedicated to just teach us constantly for four months, eight hours per day, and afterwards um, sit down on the venture and get even more mentorship and more exposure trying to, to launch Launch something to, 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 the, to the crowd, pretty much. So, so the program really raised expectations, pushed us forward, everything in a very tense amount of time, and, um, and the mentorship, definitely. I think, I think if you think about this program versus a business school program, there, there are two meaningful differences. One is this concept of mentorship, uh, which people talk a lot about, but I think that uh, uh, it should be measured in hours, meaning actually who are the people being the mentors and how much time do they actually spend. Uh, and I think on both those dimensions, um, we, we, we provide, we do a lot, uh, and really it's the mentors uh, who do that. And then the second thing is they get real money, right? They're getting $50,000 from real investors um, to build a business, uh, to actually go out and think about how to capitalize on a market opportunity and bring a product to market, okay? And that, that is something that 
uh, most business schools just can't do because they have too many people, they don't, they don't have the infrastructure in place. What I will also tell you, the reason this is important is if you look at the top 10 wealthiest people, okay, or if you look at the most valuable companies that have been created over the past 10 or 15 years, they are not created by people who look like us. Okay, they're, people, they're created by people who look like them. Okay, that's who they're created by. All right, Zuckerberg, Gates, uh, Dell, all these guys, they all started when they were at this age. And we have to change our culture here in Canada to realize that this is when it happens, especially in this kind of an environment. Okay, Jane's the new one. Jane has recently been selected after a pretty grueling weekend. Um, so what do you think of all this, Jane? Um, well, when Razor says recently selected, I'm definitely very fresh blood. Um, two weeks ago, actually, got into the next 36, and um, I'm excited. I'm a little bit intimidated having uh, Aiden and Iran standing beside me, and they were literally in my shoes last year. So I'm really, really pumped. But um, I think it's just kind of surreal. Uh, if you talk to some of my colleagues in the room or students across campuses across Canada, I think a lot of us have a pipe dream of starting a business someday, somewhere down the line. And uh, with the next 36, it's truly incredible to be able to start now and uh, be an entrepreneur. So I look forward to getting my hands dirty. I think uh, Claudia, Tim, Jay, and Reza have given me the opportunity of a lifetime, and I intend to take full advantage of it. So um, yeah, I'm looking really, really forward to the adventure to come. That's an extraordinary concept that, that you two guys a year ago were in this program, and now you're flying down to Silicon Valley and asking people for real money. That's, I mean, to me, can you see yourself, Jane, a year from now doing that? You're on a plane from Silicon Valley? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking even higher. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I was talking to Aiden actually last night, and when he was telling me he got back from 48 hours in the valley, I think I had to pinch myself because I was like, you're just a year older than me. <laughs> so. Well, in fact, Iran, I think you've been funded, and you and Gideon are moving to the valley. Starting in January 16th at the Valley, and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. And uh, they were actually very responsive to Canadian entrepreneurs, and uh, they realized that there is an amazing amount of talent in, in Toronto specifically, and Canada as a whole, Montreal, and Vancouver as well. And, and they really want to tap into these markets right now and, and fund them. And, and I think, that first of all, it, it's an opportunity missed for the Canadian investor that, that I think there is talent here, and it's pretty amazing talent, and, and, um, and we can do something with it in the Valley. Huge competition, and and salaries are in the sky, people are acquiring companies for talent, and, and us going there, they just saw the opportunity immediately, and they were immediately jumping into the boat, and, and when we got a few offers, we just told them, let's all be friends, and let's get all the offers together, and they agreed to merge all the offers to one offer, so, uh, so it was very, very receptive. We should talk about the mentors, yes. okay. uh, what, what they bring, who they are, and do you invest in these companies? Do the mentors invest? Yes, he does, he will. He will? He will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so, so <laughs> that's the right answer. Um, so, so, Amanda, you know, it's interesting, right, because if people say what's the special sauce of the next 36, it's not these guys, no. okay? No, I mean, these guys, uh, I, these guys, these guys, you know, I've got huge expectations for them, um, but the reason the Next 36, I think, uh, has created this ecosystem is because of the mentors and the people who spend time, okay? And that's been the, really, from, I think, Claudia, Jay, and Tim, uh, and my perspective, has been the most astonishing thing, is these people who have really big jobs, doing interesting things, have families, and decide to spend a huge amount of time with these guys. So let me, uh, let me call in a couple of, uh, of, uh, of people. Um, let's start with Charles. Okay, Charles. Can we give Charles a mic? 
Um, so Charles, can you? Charles was the mentor to Tradio. Um, he's a very successful entrepreneur that's built several businesses. Um, he also won uh, the Mentor of the Year Award last year, a very uh, difficult award to win because you can imagine these guys are very competitive. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, your involvement and uh, how these folks have changed over time? Well, I'd like to start by saying when I started being a mentor, I didn't even know what an app was. I'm a BlackBerry user and I was told I had to mentor a group of very intelligent students with you know, people like Iran who, has a four, who had a 4.0, which I wasn't even close to a 4.0, knew nothing about technology or apps. And, but what I realized was the role of a mentor was really not that of a technical uh, mentor, but to herd these ambitious, highly motivated, and highly intelligent uh, students towards building a small business. And being young, intelligent, and energetic young people, they, part of my job was to bring them back down from the ceiling, back down to the ground, and to remind them that it's not only a great idea that builds a great business, but it is focus and execution and organization. And I think those are the three things that young students needed a lot of reminding on Aaron and Gideon. <laughs> um, but over the course of the year, they have been very imp incredibly impressive and focused on one idea and brought it through to completion. And as Iran said, for me, it's kind of like being uh, a parent and watching your child uh, grow. And they've now grown out of what I can probably help them with and have moved on to Silicon Valley, where they're going to be um, mentored by proper mentors in the app world who actually know what they're talking about. So it's a very proud moment for me to hand over uh, I will stick around, but to hand over to professionals in the Silicon Valley. Um, and the final thing for those business people that are out there, I'd like to tell you two final things. The Next 36 is one of the most impressive not-for-profit organizations in Canada. And the four founders have done an incredible job of building something from nothing to what it is today. And secondly... This is going to cost me. This is going to cost you. <laughs> but secondly, from a personal perspective, being a mentor has without a doubt been the most personally rewarding uh, job that I've done in a not-for-profit organization. Uh, and if there's anybody out there that thinks that they want to try and help Canada bridge that gap with the United States, being a mentor is critically important to our success as Canadians. Thank you. Thanks. Um, you know, the, um, Amanda, I wanted to... Uh, one of the things that uh, happened last summer was we had um, Galen Weston, Jimmy Patterson, and Paul Demare, three of Canada's sort of most esteemed business leaders, come together for the first time and become founding patrons of, uh, of the next 36. And uh, that meant that they host events, they've given us money, and they're supporters of the program. And I think the reason uh, why they did it isn't because they're 36 kids uh, that are going through the program but because their hope and expectation is that, is that this will have something to do, uh, something positive uh, around our country. And so another one of our mentors who I know is a big believer in this is John Keller. And maybe John, I mean, you, I ask you this question only because um, you know, you're, you're, you're running a big business and you've spent a huge amount of time on the next 36. Um, and what's the motivation behind all that? And then also, 
John is the mentor to the other four. And I remember asking him, uh, once I had this problem of letting in these four, to be the, uh, the mentor of this group. And so I'm curious why you, why you took on that challenge. Well, it's actually a funny story because I was actually in Reza's office on the day all of this happened. And it was complete serendipity because Reza said, I've got an extra team and I need an extra mentor. And so I asked him to tell me the story again. And I said, tell me how these four kids convinced you guys to let them into the program when they were out. And Reza told me the whole story, and I said, that's the team for me. Those are the four I want more than any other. And so we started an amazing journey on that day that's just been a, a great opportunity. And I think we, we conceived of ourselves as the outsiders from day one, and I think that's had a huge, uh, a huge, uh, been a huge factor in our success so far. So it's been a lot of fun. On your second question, quickly, I mean, for me, my, my motivation for getting involved in this program is all about Canada. It's, it's what you referenced earlier. It's the prosperity gap. We've got this persistent gap in, in between the wealth of Canada and the U.S., and this is the way to solve it. And it's been really interesting to watch these kids for the last uh, year because instead of getting excited about getting a job, this program has created an excitement in these kids to take a risk. And it's a profoundly different orientation, and I'm really excited about where we can take things going forward. That's the reason I'm involved. Thank you. <clears throat> Can I keep going? Yeah, you guys can sit down. Um, okay, so we have a new mentor. Amanda, I may just like this is you know this is uh, yeah this is great. They're fundraising. Yeah. They're fundraising. Yeah, it's fantastic. Everyone's. I know what I'm getting out of yeah, <laughs> we'll figure that out. I don't know. Um, okay, we've got a new mentor who I'd like to call on. Um, who I think uh, you know we try and get these mentors and and. Uh, uh, we probably don't tell them exactly the truth about how much work they have to do, but I think now you're, you're in it. So is, I don't know, is, Ju is Julie here? So Julie is a great real estate entrepreneur who has just signed on, Amanda, for, 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 to be a mentor to one right. of these teams. Um, I don't know, do you have a question? What, what, what persuaded you to do it? I mean, you've heard, obviously, you can contribute to them. So I'm curious, actually, when I hear all of, all of the, the two previous mentors speak, what do you expect to get out of it? went up and did their first presentation, they had the most amount of criticism from anybody in the room. And they came down those stairs and they thought, oh my God, this is not going to... And I said, guys, you should be so happy. We had the most attention. <laughs> and that's what an entrepreneur is about. We, we garnered the most energy and that's what you do. You convert that energy into a positive solution. So why I'm involved is because I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And I've, I've got, there's, there's so much capacity in terms of creative capacity in this country. And I could expand my business so many times were it not for not having the entrepreneurs to come in and partner with me. There are so, there's so much capacity that I would just say, I need an entrepreneur. I don't necessarily need someone in administration. I need an entrepreneur. Someone who can team with me, can think with me, and we can go and grab those challenges. I mean, part of my early business learning was going to trade shows. And now my poor family has to go to trade shows instead of vacations. <laughs> but that's what being an entrepreneur is about. And, and I think these kids will be the future of our country. And it will be something that their enthusiasm will then convince other kids that being an entrepreneur is amazing. Now, being a woman, I couldn't think of anything else. There is no corporate ladder in being an entrepreneur. You are the ladder. And so I've always had incredible freedom. I was eight months pregnant when I was president of the Home Builders, why I actually ran my company. So it's something that allows a woman incredible independence, flexibility, and no one can say you're missing any ground because you missed a meeting, because you're doing the work behind the scenes. Thank you. So, Amanda. This is probably going to be one of the most um, embarrassing things she's had to do, but it's only because you're sitting beside Julie, Cheryl. 
Um, so Cheryl doesn't know she's about to be called cult. Uh, she is a new entrant uh, to the program. And uh, do you have the mic? Okay, so Cheryl's story, we, had to, we spent some time thinking about whether to let Cheryl into the program or not. Um, she's a brilliant scientist at U of T who's also spent time at Harvard and MIT. And um, her concern was this program um, would steer her into an entrepreneurial direction away from research, okay, away from uh, the actual nuts and bolts of research. And uh, the argument or the, the debate we got into was we have no intention of steering her away from science. We actually want her to be a great scientist, but we'd like her to find the next drug or find the next product that's going to actually solve a disease and have the capacity to do that. And so Cheryl, um, uh, well, I'd like Cheryl to speak a little bit about that interaction and uh, how, it's, how it's going for you. Hello. Yes. Um, so as Riza said, uh, I have been spent like three years doing scientific research, and I really like what I do. But I also realized there's a gap between what you do in the lab and what can be actually done in the market. Uh, how can you make the product into the market and can actually have like an impact on like people's life? And then that's the initial thought when like where like why I apply for this next 36 program. And then I think we're really lucky because we find the right team of people. And then uh, this year we're planning to do an app focused on Alzheimer's disease. Uh, we really hope that like a mobile application can not only benefit like people sitting around here, but also um, people that are in the hospital, the people that need care. And maybe it's a way that can help their family um, or their kids uh, to take better care of um, their, uh, uh, their like father or like parents. So uh, I really thank, uh, thank Riza and the Next36 community for this opportunity. And uh, this will be something, uh, uh, this will be something later on, like it can help me like to actually, uh, once I have an idea, I'll able to make it into a reality. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> We've only got about uh, five minutes left, Riza. You said before success, you measure it in the short and the long term. I actually have a quick question about, uh, ha about this mentality, because you're talking about changing people's perspectives on what they can do and what they're capable of. Uh, and obviously, you've done it for, for these people, especially Cheryl, great example. She wasn't even headed down this direction. Do you need to get them younger? Do you hope that we can get them younger? Um, huh, that's an interesting question. So I think. Uh, when you say that, it means the other questions aren't interesting, right? No, no, they're all interesting. Amanda, you generally are very interesting. Um, the, I, 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 look, I, we debated whether we should go to the graduate level, and we thought that was too late, frankly. Okay? So uh, I think the reason this works at this level is because a critical part of this is them building a business. So we don't want people dropping out of high school to build a business. You know, if they drop out of university to build a business, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, David, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I, look, I'd be a big fan of doing it earlier. I mean, what we're really teaching these kids is to actually make decisions with imperfect information, right? I mean, I think one of the greatest challenges to being an entrepreneur is that people feel they need so much information before they make the decision, such that by the time they've made the decision, the opportunity's gone because someone with, who needed slightly less information took advantage of it. And I would say the other thing, Amanda, is that people think entrepreneurship is around sort of walking around and coming up with this brilliant idea. If you look at many of the greatest businesses, if you look at what Michael Dell did, what Howard Schultz did, what Jeff Bezos did, they just looked at existing businesses and processes, 
and thought about them differently and had the conviction of their thoughts to go and execute it on it. They didn't think to themselves, oh, Barnes & Noble has so much more capital and resources, there can't possibly be an opportunity. What we're trying to do is tell these people there are opportunities all around you. The people who succeed are the people who actually have the guts to take them. One of the biggest elements of successful entrepreneurship um, is failure. Yeah. And it's overcoming failure. And I know as a business journalist, I've heard many times that Canadians aren't very good at that. We're not as good as others at, say, at wearing our failures as badges of honor. Can you teach it, or do you need to right. make them fail to yeah. learn it? So I think, I think uh, two things. One is a big part of this program is figuring out what your weaknesses are and addressing them now. Okay? So Cheryl uh, doesn't like public speaking. Okay? She does not like speaking in public. All right? I can assure you, next year when she's up here, she'll be a dynamo and you won't recognize her. Okay? So part of it is actually addressing those things that you're weak at and, and overcoming them. I will say that failure is critical. Um, and throughout this program, what we do is we take kids who aren't used to failing and they fail. So I will tell you, by definition, there were 10 teams, five of them failed. They failed. These are kids that have never failed before. Their businesses have failed. They have wasted that $50,000, all right? That's a great lesson for them. The other five of them, which by the way is a, I think is a terrific hit ratio, are continuing, all right? But even those five have gone through processes throughout this program where they've been challenged in a way that has been incredibly uncomfortable and has often led to failure. Will you, is anybody tracking what happens to these kids, including the failures, uh, as time goes on? We Absolutely. We to know where they go. Absolutely. So there's a whole alumni uh, piece of this, and we... We spend a lot of time interacting with these kids and seeing what they're up to. And look, what we hope is that they're going to create an environment with the other people within the program such that they'll, they'll create a community amongst themselves as well. How big do you see this getting? What, what's your ambition for this? Okay, so let me be clear. I think this cannot be measured by number of people, right? Because as I've said, the valuable piece here is the ecosystem. So I don't want to, we don't want to dilute uh, the ecosystem with the number of kids. So what you're not going to see is 300 kids going through this program, right? There's plenty of demand, but the problem is it will we'll become, we'll become like most business schools and not be able to deliver this really uh, special product. And so I don't think it's measured in terms of students that we let in every year. It's measured by the types of students that we're getting, sort of the, the profile of these kids, how spectacular are they, and are they willing to do this program over anything else that's ahead of them, and what do they accomplish? And when they do accomplish it, do we actually feel like the next 36 had a real role to play in, that, in those sets of accomplishments? Would you like to see this, though, fostered at other universities by other people in other provinces? A absolutely. So, I mean, we are totally, um, uh, first of all, our students come from universities all across Canada, from all sorts of, I think we've got 16 universities represented by the 36 students. Um, but we are open to having people uh, copy this. In fact, MIT is doing a research study on us. Harvard Business School, uh, the head of entrepreneurship there, Raman Ananda, is one of our professors and has instituted a program that looks a lot like this down at Harvard. Um, you know, you know imitation is the greatest form of flattery. One of the shortcomings um, in the Canadian landscape for startups is a lack of uh, venture level money. Uh, and it's a real crisis, actually. Yeah. There are people who are very aware of it. These guys had to go to Silicon Valley for a reason. Uh, do you think that'll change because you're seeding a younger population of people that are thinking more in these terms? I hope so. I mean, I, I will tell you that it is a huge problem. It is an absolute problem. I wish these, these kids would get funded here, okay? Um, but I will say that there are people doing things. So John Albright, who's in the audience here, runs BlackBerry Ventures and JL Ventures. He is funding. Uh, he stepped up and is funding his firm uh, together with Gary Slate. Uh, is funding the next three years' ventures. I think that is a remarkable endorsement, and we hope we'll make you lots of money and make you very proud. Um, but I will say that I think the ecosystem that we're creating uh, hopefully moves the needle. All right. 
That's all we've got time for. Reza, uh, it's been great to know more about this, and yep. congratulations on your success. Thank you Thank to you, the Amanda. students and mentors for speaking. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Gordon Rahman, and I am the Vice President of the Canadian Club. I want to thank both Amanda and Reza for what has proven to be a very interesting and informative discussion. Reza, the work that you are leading with your group of CEOs and students is perhaps more important now than ever. The challenges facing young people may be greater now than at any time since the Second World War. Unemployment rates are high. The world political and economic situation has reached unprecedented levels of instability especially in Europe and the Middle East. The Next 36 program is vital if Canada is to continue its place of leadership into the future. Again, thank you, Amanda, for taking time to moderate our discussion. Uh, Aidan, Iran, and Jane, the mentors and the participants of the program here today, thank you for being here and sharing your stories with us. And Reza, thank you for all that you are doing to bring practical business skills to Canada's young people. Well, thank you, Gord. I'm feeling very inspired as I go forward into the weekend, so thank you to everybody, um, Amanda, Reza, and all participants for being here today. Um, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are very grateful to Rogers TV and to 680 News um, for their continuing promotion of Canadian club events. To learn more about the club and our upcoming events, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. And thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Our meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>